Hi, you're listening to Stefan Levera Podcast. So, have you thought about what it looks like if Bitcoin builds up as this alternative system while the fiat system is extending and pretending? Well, I chat with Jeff Booth about this. So, Jeff rejoins me on the show. He's the author of the excellent book, The Price of Tomorrow, and he is a technology entrepreneur and author. This show brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. Swan Bitcoin holds a deep conviction that Bitcoin is the future of money. Swan's aim is to help you maximize your position in this dominant digital monetary network. As a Swan private client, you will have unlimited access to their team, strategic resources, and commitment to Bitcoin education. Bitcoin is an asymmetric investment of unparalleled proportions, rapidly becoming the preeminent wealth preservation asset for every individual and institution in the world. An opportunity like this to build and preserve legacy-impacting wealth for your family or company will not likely be seen again in our lifetimes. The Swan private team stands ready to earn the right to walk alongside you on every step of this journey into the future of money. Learn more at swanbitcoin.com private or email the CEO Corey Clipston at corey at swanbitcoin.com. Do you need to borrow against your Bitcoin or get some stablecoin interest? Lend at HodlHodl is a peer-to-peer Bitcoin-backed lending platform where you can lend or borrow crypto globally and anonymously. Lend at HodlHodl is a way to earn extra income on your stablecoins. They've got an average of 25% APR. On the other hand, if you need some liquidity, you can collateralize your Bitcoin and borrow against it. And the best thing is you still hold one key in the two or three multi-signature. HodlHodl does not hold your funds. This is a peer-to-peer lending and borrowing platform. Platform. You set your own terms and you put up offers depending on how long you want to borrow or lend and the interest rate. Go to lend.hodlhodl.com. Are you interested to get involved with Bitcoin mining? Compass is an online marketplace making it easier for you to do that. You select an ASIC and you select a facility that has been vetted by the Compass team. We've heard for years mining's only profitable if you're investing tons of money, but now with Compass, everyone can tap into economies of scale. You can get access to reasonably priced hardware and cheap industrial power rates. The residential rates many of us have are not going to be very competitive. If you're unsure about how to get started, they've got hardware and hosting bundles. You don't need advanced technical knowledge. You can quickly get started mining Bitcoin today. Go to compassmining.io and find out more. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Uh, Thanks. Great to be here. So Jeff, you're back in Canada. I saw all the photos from Bitcoin 2021. I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm feeling so much FOMO that I missed out on it. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what the experience was like and where, where, your, where your head's at with Bitcoin these days. Uh, head to, with Bitcoin hasn't changed at all. Um, the, the experience was uh, something that is hard to even put in, uh, into words. It was, uh, I, I, I would left the fee, I left the place thinking, this is what it looks like when people aren't manipulated by money. Um, this is the best in human nature coming out, and and so it, it was it was it was truly humbling to be a part of it, um, and and that and that community truly humbling, like almost tears to your eyes. The 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 uh, the type of the type of people it met and everything else across the board. It was just it was amazing experience. Yeah, that's really cool, and I think it just sometimes it feels like stepping into the future, right? Because when you're there, every Everyone's there able to transact in Bitcoin and Lightning straight away. And yeah, everyone's just doing everything over Lightning. And you really, you feel like you're in the future because we feel like we're able to do this now. Uh, those of us in this world, those of us Bitcoin people, and it's like the rest of the world hasn't woken up to this yet. Hey. Yeah. And, and it's more that it's, I think it's even more than that. So yes, that. And when you, when, when you're around a whole bunch of people that, that are first principle thinkers that are uh, kind of deep across philosophy, a whole bunch of different, different pieces and have really chased this to the ground and understand where the where, where, where the world's going and everything else the, uh, those people are accountable they're they're learning all the time they're they're uh, quite honestly like it blew my mind um, what I got from the experience of, of just being around all of these just wonderful wonderful people yes complete different cast of characters uh, crazy you could call me crazy though too but uh, but uh, the uh, but but at the core um, something that was r- r- really sound across everybody so it was it was it was it was a really wonderful experience yeah that's really cool and so were there any points where you thought your thinking shifted like that someone someone was giving a talk 
or there was a panel. Were, were there any points in your mind that actually shifted or you, you thought, yeah, that's actually a new learning that I took from you know this recent few weeks? Yeah, probably not a new learning on the core thesis on, uh, on Bitcoin or anything there, but more uh, how fast this was moving, how fast it was. So I would be lying if I said that I thought anywhere in my playbook that El Salvador would come on now and Jack would bring a, bring a country on. So that's uh, so so that uh, so that was new. Um, it 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 happened. That's happening faster than I thought. And so the uh, adoption of lightning and everything else, and people actually seeing what this means, is moving faster than I thought. And so all different types of kind of thought around where where that goes. But no, generally the thesis had nothing changed there. Of course. And with the El Salvador adoption, I mean, there's been no shortage of commentary on that. But I think it's also interesting that, well, legal tender laws are one thing, but it's also about having a new group of people who become hodlers who are holders. And I think that is an interesting aspect. And it'll be obviously, this is like historically unprecedented, right? So we're going to see over the next few months, we are going to see how many people actually take it up, how many people start holding. And, you know, there's that aspect of merchant acceptance of Bitcoin, but then also how many of those people then go on to become orange-pilled hodlers, right? And I'm not expecting specifically El Salvador to change the momentum specifically on Bitcoin price anytime soon. Um, what I am expecting, and this is what just really is reinforced over and over again, it is it is super difficult to stop technology that empowers human beings um, because you have to lie more to be able to stop. You have to deceive. And so, so this technology that's at the core of this, that does that, is bringing on more and more users faster and faster and faster. Yes, some of them will hold. Some of them will come on and then think about it as, oh, it's an altcoin or something like that, that that does it. And then they'll do a loop and come right back to Bitcoin and understand what it really is. But the message underneath this and what this means, I don't think it can be stopped. Now, not that the war to, to war is going to get any easier, but the advantage is now um, on Bitcoin side because you have two, um, and this is right, uh, we've already talked about this. This is out of uh, out of, the, of my book. You have one side, you have technology that's driving us one way, trying to drive prices down. Down. And the only way to, to essentially stop that is concentrate control and government more and more and more. Unfortunately, lie to be able to do it be, by printing money, really stealing from people more and more and more to concentrate uh, that concentrates wealth and power on one side. But as we get further and further away from that delta and one one system is moving this way, the, the system is feeding back both sides. So one system has to have more and more corruption and more lies to protect it. And one system system is moving and one system is really the truth showing all the time that thing is causing more people to look and say what's what is this where is they might have been totally opposed to bitcoin and not wanting to look at it now they're starting to realize that their entire system they live in is based on a fraud and they're starting to come out and so once that starts to happen it just it reinforces on itself and it reinforces on itself and that's what i think that's what's happening yeah it's a really good comment there around the corruption and the lies that are required to sustain the fiat system. And it's interesting because we look at some of fiat economists and the, the Bitcoin haters out there, and they will constantly be having to backpedal, right? Because at, in the early days, oh, it was only for drug dealers. Oh, it's only for crypto anarchists, libertarians. It's only for cypherpunks. It's only for small companies. Now they're saying, oh, it's only for small countries, right? And they were saying, oh, it's not legal tender anywhere. Well, now it is, right? And now play that forward. And so a lot of these things that there's a lot of people outside of Bitcoin that still believe that noise because you're caught in a system that reinforces it all the time. All the news media reinforces it all the time and everything else. So, so there's many people, including fiat economists, that actually haven't chased this all the way down to the ground. They're just parroting what they've thought from somebody else. And so there's a bunch of people, even in that world, who are becoming coming moving over. I think what causes the most pain in the Bitcoin community is the people that know and do say it anyways, right? That they know for sure it's all based on a lie and it's all around power privately. I got, and I won't say who, but it's somebody that is fairly well known on a, on a direct uh, uh, Twitter exchange, on a DM exchange, um, that would be that camp. And talking about why it needs to be a, an altcoin. So essentially he could control the rules. And I thought, what hypocrisy, what complete hypocrisy. Um, and so for me about 
with Bitcoin is it solves that by removing control of ego around people. It solves that 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 issue and forever um, or hopefully forever. That's a big deal. It's a huge innovation. Um, and I think people underestimate what that impact means. It means it doesn't mean that society isn't going to like if you took the anarchists on one side the, um, and if you said it's all citadels, I think that that really scares people in the existing system and makes them worried about what Bitcoin looks like because they would think in that it's just a transfer of power from these bad people. But the truth is what the anarchists don't see as well. They're measuring government by the size of government today and all the fraud in government today. When the system itself would change that, government as a byproduct would have to move fraud above the line, right? <laughs> and, and and tell the truth. And it would have to get way, way smaller as a result. And the world would look very different. So these opposing forces are getting worse and worse. And then when you think about a whole bunch of byproducts of the opposing forces, when you just think about in a personal relationship, uh, Stephen, if you trusted somebody and they deceived you and they completely lied to you for their own personal gain, would you trust them again? Yeah, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> of course not. So so as pe- so, what's happening is when then there's a whole bunch of um, edge case theories about what, what the system is doing and these people are doing to manipulate further away and a whole bunch of Bitcoiners end up looking like they're wearing tinfoil hats on a whole range of issues because you have mistrust in the money layer. And once you have mis- mistrust in the money layer, as a consequence, you have to have mistrust everywhere else. And so, uh, so, so now if somebody that is manipulating money is telling me one thing, well, I know it's a lie. Am I going to trust them on anything? And so, so, so a whole bunch of what people are jumping around in around society, around these, all these kind of edge cases and conspiracy theories are actually a result of that. Yeah, so I think it's part of it is also to your point earlier about people trying to protect the system or at least create an altcoin where they can be the king of their own little land. It reminds me as well of people who get ideologically committed to certain things, like one example, and it's quite unfortunate in some ways because Steve Hankey is one example of this kind of guy. Like he is meant to be a free market economist guy. But at the same time, every time there's a problem in one of the developing nations, he is out there talking about why they need to have a currency board and go to the US dollar and anytime he bring you bring up Bitcoin he's like oh it's a speculative asset and oh my god it's gonna die and it's like aren't you meant to be pro freedom pro you know giving people a choice instead of mandating this whole currency board US dollar etc a certain commitment to earlier things like he's got a hammer and everything's a nail right and, and that's it protecting their base of knowledge at all costs even the truth even even what happens because let's investigate that for that specifically because when you see El Salvador a lot of people in the tradition media went highest crime rate, all of this, uh, all of this nonsense and everything else with very little understanding that crime is a second order derivative of people not being able to pay their bills because of a shitty economy. Even if you have a US currency and a US currency requires, so their labor is just as expensive as US, how would they ever, how would they ever compete? So you have a whole bunch of crime sitting in a system um, because people are, are forced to a life of crime to pay for their family family and everything else. And then we bias that and we say, those are bad people. People aren't bad or good. Like across all of us, we have good and bad and everything else. And if the system forces us, if a system forces us to that side, it's just human nature. And that's it. And that system all around the world forces people, uh, forces many people into a life of despair and crime and everything else. So it's a system problem. It's not a people. People are rational actors in a broken system. And, but again, what Steven's saying, what it was, uh, uh, who did you say again? Uh, Steve Hankey is one uh, example. Hankey. Yeah, what he's misjud- He's actually misjudging the co- the second order symptom from the root cause. And Bitcoin fixes these things. It, puts, it provides a uh, it provides a free market system around the world solves these issues at its root. Yeah, and it's interesting as well because we see other people who are perhaps famous or you know influential in some other field, and then they start talking about Bitcoin and they're getting it really, really wrong. And then uh, to p- add, you know. To add to that, they often have an ego about it and they think they get offended when people come back to them and say, no, actually, that idea was already tried and it failed for X, Y and Z reason. And that's why it's not a thing in Bitcoin. Bitcoin is this. You need to you need to humble yourself a little bit. Um, if you have an ego going into Bitcoin, you've got a problem um, because, <laughs> because, um, because because people in Bitcoin that want it to be about them and it's not about them. It's about a monetary layer that removes that from the system. So that's what's so important. And that's actually what's critical around some of the 
best Bitcoiners. It also, I've got to be careful here, creates some of the toxicity as well. And it's not, I've actually, funny enough, I've come way more on side to understanding the toxicity because when you understand something that people other don't see and you're constantly barraged by a bunch of misinformation, a lot of times you become toxic. Or if you feel, or if somebody becomes a hero of the community and then can manipulate results as become a bit because they're a hero of the community, um, you don't want heroes of the community. You want people advocates of this that then hopefully just kind of move back into <laughs> um, to bring more people on because it's better for you. That's what you want. So I totally understand why somebody with an ego, which it's, it's all about them, um, is repelled, like they're killed by this community. Yeah, it's a challenging thing because in some sense, the ego is what pushes us to actually work hard and produce and be productive or really good at explaining things or really good at you know doing a Bitcoin business. So that can be a good thing in that way. But then on the other side, on the flip side, it can be a downside if people let it get ahead of, get the better of them. And then they start thinking it's all about them. And obviously in Bitcoin, we have this idea that there's no person who speaks for Bitcoin, but we can advocate it. And you might be a well-known Bitcoin advocate with while at the same time not speaking, you know, quote unquote, for Bitcoin. And I think for me, a lot of these wars were already fought before I even understood Bitcoin. No, I understood it early on, but I was too busy in my business to be able to really dig dead. So a lot of these wars in former heroes that tried to take the network and make it about them and create a different altcoin so that they could roll it have always or have been fought and Bitcoin keeps thriving throughout it. And I think that's actually the core in this. I So I totally understand why it's not about an individual person. It has to be about the community. Um, but for new people that are used to having influence in, in making rules for other people, it's a harsh, it's a harsh reality. It's a, it's a harsh, harsh reality. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so we are seeing a lot more people coming into Bitcoin. And I'm anticipating, I mean, personally, I'm anticipating a lot more people coming in over this next six months or so. And we're seeing moves being made, right? So for example, Michael Saylor just is, uh, I think as we speak, he's probably doing that $500 million <laughs> buy. And he's also come out with this new idea of the 1 billion micro strategy shares stock issue so that then he can buy more Bitcoin with it. And so I'm wondering, do you have any thoughts on that? So I love what Michael Saylor is doing. I love it. So he has a thesis. He is he is all in his existing company. If you look at the returns and what that would look like, it's pre-Bitcoin and what he's doing in Bitcoin. Two radically different stories. Um, for 22 years, it returned almost nothing. And now it's returning a, a staggering amount. And he knows where this is, is going. So I think that everybody should put every dollar of wealth into it might be a might be a bridge too far. I understand why you'd want to, and that's a risk return sort of scenario. And I and I think I don't think anything could be Bitcoin going forward. But what if I was wrong? And so I just leave that tiny, tiny possibility. What if I was wrong? So that I wouldn't want everybody doing everything, everything they ever had in into it. And then you have to ask yourself, how much do you really need? If you had one Bitcoin, there's twenty one hundred or so billionaires in the world today. There's forty nine million millionaires. If you had one Bitcoin, you have more than most people could ever have. There's not enough Bitcoin for everybody. To get. So how much do you really need in the new world? So that leverage and everything else, again, because we're just as likely if we're if human beings are biased into we need more and more and more, then if that's true for all humans, and it's probably true for us too. And so we could easily get something and say, leverage, 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 and create. And if we win that bet, then we're, does it make a difference if you're 0.5 to 0.2 in the richest pocket? Part, part of the world? Is that going to make a difference in your life? And so I, I just think about, so what he's doing, I completely understand it. And I huge, <laughs> wow. And, and he's good for the community and he's good for advocating for, uh, for, for, what, uh, for, uh, for what this is. And I hope he makes trillions. Should everybody go 100%? I don't know. Yeah, that's a harder question. But I think to some extent, it is part of the using the system against it, right? It's like the judo move, because in some ways, stocks are getting bid up and up and up because obviously all the cheap money that's flowing out there because of fiat money, as we've mentioned on the podcast many times. And then in some sense, this is helping turn that in favor of, you know, the in favor of the person acquiring more Bitcoins, because they're sort of saying, okay, fine, you're just going to bid up the prices of the stocks. Well, we're going to issue some more stocks and then use that to buy more 
Bitcoin. And then, you know, long term, that's probably a good move for, you know, for everyone involved. For Michael Saylor and his shareholders in this, I think it's a brilliant, I think it's a brilliant move. And how much and how much he's brought uh, knowledge of what's happening from from the structure because of that move that people keep on biting on and keep on doing it. And he wins every time. And so do his shareholders as a, as a result. It's brilliant. So so and and again as he's doing it you're bringing that's what kind of what i said when a system has corruption in its base layer and it has to be more corrupt for the for the structure to to then then you're bringing more people wait is this what's happening and more people are starting to understand uh, starting to understand that game yeah and i guess part of that plays into this idea that now of course you know if hyper bitcoinization happens too quickly well then yeah that could be and we spoke about this the last time is that that could be a real issue but at the same time it could also help wash away some of the problems of the current system so it's kind of like a balance there because you know if if we can yeah. help people and help them into this new world of bitcoin world then arguably it might help people uh get away from the fiat problems and stop the fiat at least start this process of fixing society so it's kind of like how do we kind of manage that transition not that you or i can manage that ourselves but in terms of how can we help people. That's actually why I love places like El Salvador and a whole bunch of Nigeria and a whole bunch of other countries that are starting to really take this seriously because it's bringing on hundreds of thousands and millions of people into this new economy at a rate that's increasing faster and faster and faster. It's going to be impossible. It's really hard to see that stopping with all of the innovation. So it should keep on expanding. And that's and, and so what you want, what ideally you want in the Bitcoin is this to be broadly held. Yeah. Yeah, and that's right. And I think that's a very important point you raised there about being broadly held. It's a very important word because a lot of people get overly attached to the idea of, oh, I can, where can I spend this Bitcoin? What merchants will accept it? No, what matters the most is the holder network effect. And that's where I think Michael Saylor has been brilliant. He's been an astonishing mind and astonishing explanations of why you should think of it as a reserve asset. You should be trying to hold it. And the most important part is getting people out there. Of course, being able to spend your Bitcoin matters too, but holding is probably the thing that most advances this process and I think Michael Saylor and others have helped and so I guess then the question is who do you think follows next do you have any ideas on um, what other kinds of people are coming <laughs> on that chessboard it's hard to like because I think it's uh, I think it could be any but I think there's probably 20 different countries that could be next and I think they're going to fall like dominoes as you as you start to uh, do this I think the IMF is scared and they should, rightfully should be and I think you're going to get some pushback at push back here but it's not going to be enough to stop it so uh, so so yeah and I, if they really tried to stop it it would move underground and it would keep going just like uh, countries that have stopped uh, tried to st- uh, tried to regulate it and everything else it just moves underground and it keeps it actually probably moves faster yeah that's been the story that apparently even with places like nigeria because yeah pakistan, yeah pakistan yeah. great <laughs> example as well because basically India. yeah they try to sort of regulate or slow put the brakes on this thing but then it just all these people start using it peer to peer and you just you just can't really stop this thing so it's i said i said that to a politician in canada and i said listen if if government came after this in a big way i know what i just get on a plane i take my businesses and i move somewhere else because i know what's coming you it's actually sending you a signal that you're controlled by the system and you can't get out in fact this is connected to something i don't think i've ever said this on a podcast that i've thought a lot about uh recently our property rights themselves and our infatuation about owning a home, a derivative of a system that has to leverage us into control so so that you'd put a 30-year mortgage and you're locked into a system for the, the, that makes the government bigger and bigger and bigger. And so when you think about prof- property rights through that lens, not not that you can't make a lot of money in that in that system, but when you think about that, it's you can't you can't take the property with you. And the property can be taxed at a different rate or it can be taken from you at some at some point in the in the future. It, Bitcoin is is literally the only property right, that type of right that has ever existed that can't be taken from you. Yeah, that's a great point you make there, Jeff, because and it, it may not be that there's like a dark, you know, boardroom with all the evil people in the suits who are trying to intentionally make this happen. It's more 
more just like the incentives of the system kind of push it in that direction, right? And and then, and then you start out with something that might look like you could buy a home early on and you needed 25% down payment or 50% down payment and you could only take a mortgage for 10 years and then 15 years and then 20 years, 10, 25 years and then 30 years and the mortgage and the amount of money that you took to be able to buy that home all leveraged, which actually cascaded into a system of control around housing that felt good for uh, that, that you had to be a part of that system that kept you into a, in, in, locked into a system, not realizing that you would become a slave to the system, that you're working to two jobs, that you're working everything else to be able to have a house that was really a property right to make sure the system design kept working. And it's just an interesting, again, not bad people, not anything else, but a design of a system that actually created that and made people not even realize that they were stuck and they would do anything to get more stuck in a system so they could have a home so that they could they could be more more of a slave in that system i it I, it, that sounds edgy and everything else but it's just it's worth exploring right it's worth exploring because that's what that system does and you can't take your property with you so it could later on be taxed it could be taken at a different rate it could be everything else and so when i think about bitcoin compared to that system it's a no-brainer back to the show in a moment Coinkite.com are the creators of my favorite Bitcoin hardware wallet, the cold card. So if you have still left your coins on the exchange or you want to upgrade your security, check out the cold card. It's got all sorts of features. It is PSBT native. You can use it air gapped. It has an address explorer so you can verify the address that you are receiving your bitcoins into. It's also very versatile. You can use this as part of a single signature setup or as part of a multi-signature setup and that can allow you to really improve your security standpoint. Another thing I really like about the CoinKite team is they're continually innovating forward and coming up with new features and trying to stay ahead of the game technologically. So go to CoinKite.com and get yours with the code LEVERA for a discount. Are you looking to get multi-signature security? Unchained Capital are building Bitcoin native financial services on a foundation of multi-signature. This means you can have separate keys, hardware devices or signing devices, and separate those geographically to give yourself better security. Now, if you need a hand setting up, they have a concierge service where they will ship you to hardware wallets. They'll answer your questions and help walk you through how to set that up and deposit $1,000 of Bitcoin in your vault. Use the code Lavera to get a discount there. And Unchained Capital have all sorts of material that will help you educate yourself or for teaching your new kind of friends. So particularly Parker Lewis's series, Gradually Then Suddenly, which is one of my favorites to recommend for new people. So go and check them out. Their website is unchained.com. And finally, we have to think about our backups. Cyphersafe.io are creating metal seed backup products and they've got a new one available for pre-order. It's called the Cypher Grid. This is the best value in the industry. You get everything you need for $59. You get two stainless steel plates for all 24 seed words. The two plates are facing each other to hide those seed words. It can be locked with a padlock. It's got a tamper evidence seal and you get an automatic center punch provided. And just like all CypherSafe products, it's made from stainless steel, it's fireproof, rustproof and waterproof. So make sure you or your loved ones can access your bitcoins if an accident occurs. Go to cyphersafe.io and use the code LEVERA to get a discount. Back to the show. Absolutely. And so even with housing, because that's often been part of the, the great American dream, the great Australian dream. I know Canada has a crazy, well, certain parts of Canada obviously have crazy housing markets. Um, even here in Australia, it's like a huge property cult. You got to own a property. And then what happened is, you know, what the deal that say the baby boomer generation and maybe some of the Gen X people, the deal that they got is much like the multiple of their income that they had to pay to buy a home was much, much less than what it would be for, say, a millennial or a Gen Z. And many millennials and Gen Z people are basically, they're kind of checking out of that system almost because they feel like it's not even in their reach anymore or they're like having to really reach and go leverage to the hilt to even have a chance, right? And it becomes, yeah. You know this from my book, but again, this lies into corruption of money against the natural order of things. So, so, but it's why we get confused. So, so in the last 20 years, it took, so you had before COVID to 
$250 trillion of debt to run a global economy of $80 trillion, thereabouts. And so you think about $250 trillion and you go, wow, that's a big number. Could that ever be paid back? But on further investigation, you realize 185 of that $250 trillion came in the last 20 years. So so now just ask yourself, what would housing be would be worth without $185 trillion of stimulus over 20 years? And you'd see the answer. The, the system itself that's driving the housing prices up is a is a desperate attempt. Uh, it's all connected to the same system that's levering, essentially making your dollar worth more and, and trapping you onto a net uh, into your time into being a slave for wages on that debt to be able to get that property right <laughs> to be able to stay in the system at while it's getting further and further away from, it's as nothing it's no real it's not even close to what the real market should look like um it's all an illusion based on the printing of money or the manipulation of money yeah and i'll tell you what one thing that's interesting as well it's like bear markets are illegal property bear markets and stock markets are illegal right as soon as it starts to dip it's become a political football right it's become a thing where they will, you know, they don't want, they've they've bet their life on it. They've bet their life savings on these properties and stock market to some extent. And so they don't want to see it fall. So now they'll, you know, the government will try to lower, juice the economy again, lower the interest rates and keep the party going. Let's imagine they don't. It's not a whole bunch of bad people. Um, now, some are, um, some uh, are delusional and everything else. But let's imagine it's not a whole bunch of bad. Let's just give the benefit of the doubt that they're doing what they can. What would you do? Well, it's, yeah, it's it's a difficult situation. Obviously, I mean, knowing what I know, I'd be all about, you know, Bitcoin standard, all this. But obviously, to the point of your question is assuming, you know, you don't have that option. Well, they're probably just going to have to try to, and I think in practice, this is what they are doing. They have things like macro prudential controls. They might try to play that balancing game of having a low interest rate, but still trying to keep the affordability working for some people and in the end it just ends up being a very substandard outcome yeah so but it's it's worse than that so you have so now imagine two lines like this 30 years ago you would have you, you would have had from technologies call it a one percent disinflationary power and so so interest rates were lowered and lowered to try to outrun uh, uh, prices coming down and why because if prices came down, debt gets more expensive and get has to be reset. You have colossal wipeout. Everything just keeps on. And because there's nothing backing the debt except for counterparty risk, there's no gold backing it. It's just the credit is the problem. And the credit and, and, and that debt getting more expensive just cannot happen in that system. So 30 years ago, you had, I'm just calling it 1% negative disinflation because of that. And so what central banks did is tried to stop it by lowering interest rates and lowering them again, lowering them again, lowering them again. You were running out one line, deflation wanted to move this way, and one line had to move the other way. So you kept lowering interest rates, causing debt binges, more debt binges, and causing credit crisis of uh, 2008, caused by the housing crisis of 2008, that you paper over. And remember 500 billion at that time and marches on Wall Street, breaking capitalism and everything else. It was just a function of the, what we're talking about. And now the numbers are 5 trillion and 10 trillion, and they have to be 20 and 30 trillion in the future. And the further and further out from that point you go, you're further and further away from the, from the truth. So out here, the fall, if you allowed deflation to happen today, every single bank would collapse. Every, every government would collapse. Every institution would collapse because it would keep spiraling, you would have a deflationary spiral that would keep going until everything reset. And so that's that's actually, so it's not bad people, it's a bad system that they're caught in that they don't know how to get out of. What what I'm what I was so frustrated with after writing my book, there hasn't been one person, one person in all that's actually given a, that a real cre- credible first principle, you're wrong. <laughs> like there, because, and so what I wanted to do with writing the book is start because when, as an entrepreneur, when you understand the problem, all of the energy goes into the solution, right? And you, you think, okay, how do I solve this? And looking around, I really thought, okay, the, the book would be a impetus to try to, how do, how do you solve this? And all I've seen is a system protecting itself and getting worse and worse and worse. And so, so Bitcoin becomes the solve for that um, because the system can't solve it itself. But even in, on, on a central bank, can you imagine if the US came today, I'm not saying it in the future, and openly said, we're moving to Bitcoin standard, everything does the same thing that I just said, everything just collapses. So so you almost have to pretend more and keep the system going as as in the background, people are moving to a new standard. Um, 
and and that's actually why I, 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 on on Bitcoin, I think it's the 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 best path, or potentially the only path for a trans for a peaceful transition to where we're going. Yeah, right. So it's like extend, like what's the saying? Extend and pretend, right? That's what you hear some people say about the Fed and whatever macro and things like that. And so yeah, maybe at some level that's that's essentially what's going to happen, right? The the fiat side, they're going to try to keep the party going as long as they can. Meanwhile, anyone who's smart is going to be buying Bitcoin and hodling Bitcoin and hopefully when the dust settles we've got you know at the end and who knows when that is that might be 10 years from now might be 15 years from now we don't know but when the dust settles then hopefully we'll be you know uh, living in a more sustainable long-term sustainable future on a bitcoin standard where things are more honestly priced and we have a more honest system right that's right so there with where technology is going you must not not a guess you must have and digitally native currency that allows for deflation every every single other path besides what I just said results in a concentration of wealth and power. And if you play the other scenario faster, and I'm including all, every altcoin in there, why I would never buy one is not because you couldn't make some money into it. It's a bigger deal than that. Because because I do understand why you'd want, why somebody else would want to centralize control. I totally get it. But Bitcoin might be the last chance for humanity to avoid that trap. So if you, if you concentrate wealth and power through what we're talking about against technology, moving the other way. Technology is supposed to free your time. It's supposed to give you more for less. That's what it does. Any inflationary policy against that uh, against that concentrates wealth and power as a byproduct. And once you start doing it, government has to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And can you imagine a world where you have government control with artificial intelligence and robotics and a very few, very small number of people controlling what's good for everybody else? What can be given to you can easily be taken away. And look at countries around the world that live in dictatorships and everything else and you'll see the truth of what i just said that's what the truth that's what it looks like i believe if we don't have a bitcoin standard right and to touch into that particular thread as well surveillance coins also known as central bank digital currencies or cbdc's in the popular you know in the corporate press they're all on about this right and so that may be the vector for exactly what you're saying and who knows yeah it's just like it's it's gravity. We have two different operating systems and to run to so I understand what they're trying to do. So they're pushing up inequality. So if they print a bunch of money and real estate prices go up and a whole bunch of people lose out on that, the people that lose out because of manipulating money think it's the people that were that got rich off the real estate or technology companies and they go to government and they say give us more money. Prices are held so rents are higher than they should be because of that same thing. And, everything else. And so then government says, yes, because you're the populist movement, you have more votes, we'll, we'll print more money to give to you, not realizing that you're actually stealing from them to do. It. Um, and, and so, but people will vote there all the time because they'll vote for the short term benefit and, and not, and miss the fact that really what they're doing is concentrating power in few hands by, a, by a result of the short term. Yeah. And if we don't uh, successfully make the case, well, I mean, I don't see it like, I see it like Bitcoin is going to win, right? It's because like it's it's just kind of that's the way that's the direction it's going to go but for the there will be an impact for people who don't correctly understand what's going on right if people don't perceive the threat of surveillance coins or cbdc's what are some of the ways they could control people they could say okay we're going to give you this stimmy but you're only allowed to spend it on this kind of food or this kind of thing because in our infinite wisdom our technocratic overlords have decided that you must live in the pod and eat the bugs and all this you know stuff and they will make your life contingent on your compliance and your papers, please. Yeah. I, so, and and once you see what's what's happening here, kind of on both systems, and you see um, Bitcoin truly is about empowering people, whereas every other system, I wish this wasn't true, but is about power over other people, dominion over other people. And and most of what you'll see in Bitcoin is nobody wants dominion over somebody else, right? They 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 want a network that provides fair rules and everything that, that, that everything else. Yes, a whole bunch of people are going to get rich over it. Um, that we're in earlier. Yes. The whole bunch of, so it's not just for wealth for your family or anything else. It's way bigger than that. But it, but the real battle is about power over other people, dominion over other people. You make all the rules or empowering other people. That's the, the to me, that's the, that's the difference. Right. And becoming a Bitcoiner is actually learning that difference and then actually being out there trying to educate or build or develop or you know review code or some in some way contribute to this new world where 
we're trying to give everybody financial sovereignty as opposed to, like you said, dominion, controlling them, mandating what they may spend their money on, what they may eat, where they may go, where they may travel, whether they're on lockdown or not. All these things, it it sort of flows through into those other aspects of it. And I think uh, it's also interesting to see, because those of us who are kind of down here at the bottom of the rabbit hole, not not, not the actual bottom of the rabbit hole, but those of us who are orange-pilled, and we're watching the people who are coming in and learning. And so one really interesting example is uh, Paul Trudor Jones, who I think last year he was saying, oh yeah, 1% Bitcoin, allocate 1% Bitcoin. And now just recently he came out saying, oh, 5% allocation to Bitcoin. What do you think of this? And uh, who's going to follow him after this? Well, so here's here's the thing on Bitcoin, and that's what it, it takes you, because once you see the truth, you can't understand why everybody else doesn't see it. Look at Michael Saylor. Michael Saylor, look at his tweet from before he found Bitcoin, a couple of years before he thought it was a scam. 2013. Exactly. Yeah. Um, then it was. It's he's only been in a year, and he allocated a bit, a bit, then more, then more, then more, and now now Tudor, Paul Tudor Jones is doing the same thing. Um, I did the same thing. Um, I, it, you, there's a belief that once you've seen this, that you always knew it. And the truth is you didn't. And neither did I, as you start to investigate it. And by the way, we need to take that. And so for humility to allow other people to see it, that's actually what's I think important to, again, it's going to happen anyways, but do you want more people to join the ride? And do you want broad-based holders and understanding for humanity? I do. I personally do. So I try to act in a way that I think, okay, there's a whole, I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. They just don't know. They'd be preconditioned into a world that looks really different and they have no clue. And so it's it's not just that they're not they're, they're not they're ignorant. It's not that they're they're just they're in a fog because they haven't seen it. In the same way Michael Saylor might have been in the same way I might have been in the same way you might have been Stephen in the same way and and as you start to open your eyes to this, you gain more conviction and you want to bring others others on. There's a huge delta <laughs> between understanding this or understanding this thinking it's just about making money and going around the loop and the theory and all these other altcoins and everything else, and thinking it's a it's a it's a, it's a casino to coming back to Bit, uh, Bitcoin. Some people make that loop, some people don't. But uh, but um, as they go through this uh, through this path, yeah, yeah. And I think the other interesting thing is that obviously people like Paul Tudor Jones are highly influential, right? So he's very wealthy. I think the Forbes estimate for him was like seven billion is his net worth, right? And then not just his own money that he's putting in, but it's also who follows him and what does that do to the conversation around if we look on the mainstream kind of corporate press, financial financial press, where they come out and say, oh, Paul Tudor Jones said this about Bitcoin and it gives you a property right. And, and then it, it, it starts that process for other people. And now the, his followers and other people who are reading the, those news articles might then also go on their own journey. And like El Salvador and other countries, now it makes it okay to look deeper and what, okay, something's here. This sounds too good to be true. This sounds real. Whereas the rest of the world I live with, it, it, it sounds like it's getting more and more unstable and it's more and more of a fraud it sounds more real and that so i see behind the scenes you would not believe the number of people that i'm talking about in very very influential places and um because uh, and so they'll all be a different level of path and everything else but that's that is what's what's happening and i have no problem doing that because what i'm saying is true yeah Right, happens to be yeah. true. It's a, a integrity. It's a, it's a, everything else. So I wouldn't put a whole bunch of stuff in. For me personally, on Bitcoin, most of my wealth, kind of from companies and everything else, technology companies are kind of a byproduct of the other system. So for me personally, on Bit- Bitcoin, it's not. And, and and I'm not trying to create a business in Bitcoin. I don't care if my book sells one more copy. It doesn't doesn't matter for my own personal wealth or family wealth. I care about this for a way bigger reason. And so so this uh, I, I think about it as a donation of my time for something that makes uh, uh, makes hopefully makes the world better for my kids and in a in a per, in a in a perfect world after, as 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 more and more people to to understand this you just back out uh, just 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 back because you don't need to be there anymore because the, the the new system is taking over and it's 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 adopting so that if i could sculpt my own personal journey in there that's what it would look like yeah and as everyone 
goes on their own journey, just like you know you did and I did, and Paul Tudor Jones is going on that journey, going from one percent to five percent. Typically, as the price runs up, you start caring more about it and start like actually reading more into it and potentially putting more into it because you're like, well, you know what? Actually, yeah, I think this thing is real. This thing is working. Like it is, it is a new system that I could be a part of. And so then I think the other question then is, you know, as we go towards the end of this year, there'll be a lot of new people coming in, but also a lot of those new people have not been through a big drawdown, right? So some of us have been in Bitcoin for a long time. We've been through multiple 80% drawdowns. And that, I'll tell you what, that is brutal. That is really, really brutal. And I'm not precluding that outcome happening again, right? I think it could happen again. You know, we might have a crazy run up later this year and then have an 80% drop again. And then people will be like, oh, Bitcoin is dead and all the same things. But, you know, I guess, what's your view on that idea? How many you know people are going to get wrecked in the next year or so? And that's actually why long-term holding by average cost in, keep doing it. I've met lots of people who were at the very peak of the last cycle who kept buying all the way down. And now they're now um, uh, and would teach that to lots of other, uh, lots of other people. So, but it will happen. By the way, the, 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 vol- the upward volatility is actually a good thing. It becomes, it, be, uh, it, uh, it becomes um, anti-fragile it becomes, so it, 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 it literally, and, and every cycle actually, have you ever heard any, there is no bad news, right? For, for, yeah. and everything else every cycle brings more attention up down sideways every cycle brings more and more attention to this uh to this asset class and people uh, get more and more curious about about it the volatility brings on more traders right that brings on more other people to be able to say okay because traders make a ton of money off volatility that brings on other people to the in, in in that and the whole system underneath actually there's some of the beautiful game theory and design of every everything into this that actually feeds back on that system is the thing that makes it anti-fragile. Yeah, um, I guess maybe a bit more of a fun speculative question. You know, all the discussion around super cycles. Where do you stand on this kind of on this idea on this notion? Do you think it's going to happen? Not going to happen? Or you don't really have a view? Or... Are you talking about this cycle being a super cycle? Um, um, I suspect it's not going to happen on this cycle, and not that it couldn't. But if I said the probabilities of it happening on this cycle, I don't think the probabilities are high on this cycle because there's a whole bunch of things that are likely from the existing system. Remember, this is still a small asset class general. So lots more people on board it, but the existing uh, existing system could extend and pretend a long time. And on the way there, so so today, trying to inflate that. Now, when in, rates go up, which it's almost like it will remove accommodation and rate, rates will go back up, good luck. Because the minute rates go back up, everything collapses and you see all the leverage is exposed and you have that deflation spiral. So you'll get a whole bunch of head fakes there. If let's just imagine, forget the super cycle for a moment and say, and say, let's argue the other side. If central banks right now raised interest rates, Bitcoin, Bitcoin would collapse too. As everyone went, raced to cash, feeling like a depression's coming and I need to have cash. And just like in March of uh, 2020, that's 2020 what, yeah. exactly same same thing same thing would happen you a race to cash and every every asset would because the assets are is so out, outrageous it's just caused by printing and it needs more printing so if you if governments did that you would have the opposite of the super cycle but then after that the governments would have to actually print way more and more because if they kept that if they kept that it would keep unwinding banks would fail everything else they could go in and nationalize banks maybe um, but you'd have you'd have a shit show so on the other side you'd have to have a massive amount of easing and a lot, a lot more to be able to keep the party going. So this game is going to be played out it's, and it's going to country by country. What do you, what would China do? What would you do as a rational act if somebody said they're not going to pay you back in real dollars? Yeah, that's yeah, that's going to be a problem. Would you buy their bonds? Yeah. Yeah, but you wouldn't buy their bonds. You sure wouldn't buy the uh, the bonds. You'd take you'd take their money and you would buy um you you'd buy rare earth mineral. You'd you would lock up the supply of where the world's going on technology and you'd take you you would make sure critical assets assets were locked up. So so some of the geopolitical all of the geopolitical risk that you're seeing, people are talking about it as it being part of it, like, oh, where did that come from? And not realizing these are just signposts on a, a, a world that will look like this. 
naturally on the existing system. So what is likely to happen as a result of that is governments, how do they control you on that? They create a bigger enemy, right? It's not your fault that China took your jobs or this or the, or, or this happened and then look, they're, they're locking this supply out from you, trade barriers, barriers and everything else. So we're living in an interconnected system that we will, we will bias what we hear in the media and we'll think, oh yeah, those bad people when it's all a system that's actually most mostly driving those uh, driving all uh, all of this and so when and that's a long way around on the super cycle theory but it but what i would my my base case is not this time on a super cycle not that we couldn't see a rise to 200,000 this year on bitcoin not that then it may be more than collapse uh, than collapsing but there's the existing system is not going to die like that yeah i'm with you there i think i'm aligned with you on that i think it's it's possible but unlikely this cycle um and to your point earlier about you know the signs were there all along right it's just that how the media or how the government will try to propagandize to try to as you say ex- extend as we say extend and pretend there there are all sorts of things that can be done there and i guess one other interesting thing i'm wondering if you've got any thoughts on this idea is our i guess dependence on semiconductor chips right so i know right now tsmc is is the big dog in that world uh and we need you know obviously from a bitcoin perspective we need chips mining you know mining um and just technology in general right phones cars whatever whatever you whatever you need we need these chips and so i'm wondering do you see that situation improving anytime soon or do you see it like it's going to take some time um those factories take longer to spin up and and production around at rare earth mines and everything else too so some of these things take longer to spin up but i would say this has been known for some time um and some of those some of the in behind the scenes those things are spinning up so uh, there's no solve for it immediately um but but the but the supply and demand in a market right it creates uh, if uh, if you have these these single point failures the market typically solves it Right. And as we're seeing, you know, some factories and there's talk of factories being set up in other countries. And um, hopefully over time, the Bitcoin miner demand for space in those, you know, uh, in those factories is more consistent. And so they will start to give um, factory space to, you know, the Bitcoin mining manufacturing companies as well, rather than giving it all to, say, Apple as the tier one, etc. So that's an interesting dynamic that we'll see play out over the next few years, maybe. Um, but I think the message then is really it's let's all strap in for the long haul. I'm strapped in for the long haul and (laughs) me too. Let's get ready. (laughs) (laughs) No. It's not gonna be a it's not gonna happen in, you know, two or three months. It's gonna be, you know, a long time. But that that's yeah. But what an, but Stephen, what an exciting time to be alive. Oh yeah. It, it just if you think about all of these different changes that are happening at light speed and you think that for the first time in human's human history that you could put money to be decentralized and in in not one person's control. Um because gold wasn't it was always the threat that it could be confiscated, right? This is actually the, this is potentially the first time in human history that you actually have this tied into where technology is moving and everything else it's a super exciting time to to, to be alive super uh, super exciting and that's actually what i see in most of the companies i'm working into like you to be able to work with 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 companies this isn't uh, in an early startup phase where 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 investing your time or resources or money into that that company you you can generate 300 400 times your money um on it and do good for humanity feels pretty special feel uh, uh, so 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 the the world's changing really fast and the uh, and for curious people um, that kind of aren't afraid of that change that want to explore it and say where does this go what do the new rules look like what does that look just just, it's just abundance abundance everywhere yeah so certainly we can be optimistic about the future if we have our eyes on the price and um, focus on these things so I think um, probably a good spot to finish up here so listeners make sure you follow Jeff on Twitter. You can find him. His Twitter handle is Jeff Booth. And of course, check out his book, The Price of Tomorrow. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, shout out there just before we finish up, Jeff? No, it was just great seeing you again. I wish you were in Miami, but next time we'll have to get together. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to get out of here sooner or later and I'll, I'll be traveling around soon. So thank you for joining me, Jeff. Yeah, thanks. So you can get the show notes and the transcript over at my website, stefanlevera.com slash 285. And of course, if you're enjoying the show, make sure to rate and review it so new people find me and share it with your family and friends. That's it from me. I will see you in the Citadels. Mm-hmm.